Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. The super producer, Jake Christie, is not here this week. He is off, so you will not be seeing this on YouTube. You will be hearing this, though, obviously. That's why we're recording it. And I'm happy to be joined, filling in for Jake this week. Friend of the show, Hunter Radici. Does a lot of stuff in the nerd game. Streamer. He's all over the place. He's doing a lot of different things. This, this guy is a little all over the place. Uh, he's he, he's a... Uh, he has a lot of traits. He's a he's a master of many things. I don't know if I call you a Jedi or a Sith or something along <laughs> those lines, but you got you got something going. No, I'll call you more Jedi. You're a good guy. Hunter, welcome back to the program. How you doing, man? I'm great. That was a really incredible introduction. I don't I don't think I've ever had an introduction uh, that grand before. I, I feel like I, I have a lot to live up to now, but I'm I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be here uh, to talk about some some MCU. I talk about that a lot and I, I it's, it's been years. I'm not tired of it yet. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, man. I, I feel like with anything and everything, when it comes to guests on this show, everything, I always like to say everything is wrestling. So <laughs> I am doing my part to put you over as you deserve because you're on this show and it's, a, it's, it's a great to have you happy to have you, but I will say we are talking about MCU, which, by the way, we're about what? Um, two weeks from Loki? Less than two weeks yeah. now? We're getting I know. there. It's like sneaking up on me. I, in my head, it still feels really far away. And then I'll see a new poster or a new teaser or they'll turn a McDonald's into one from the 80s or 70s. And you're like, oh, wow, it's, it's got to be near or else they wouldn't be doing this. Uh, yeah. And I, I really love that first season, too. So I'm, I'm really excited. I, I just hope this lives up to that. It, it should be really interesting, but we are not two, way, two weeks away from MC University Pod on Patreon, patreon.com. You can get our bonus content. We have the subscriber mailbag that's already up. Get into the Discord for $3. Avengers level $8. If you are at that level, you have an opportunity to join us on a subscriber mailbag, a future subscriber mailbag, and we will be doing Fast and the Furious 7 before the month concludes. Now, the reason I asked Hunter here this evening, the one we're recording, is I was thinking about this subject for a little bit, and because of the strike and everything that's going on and the fact that we're about to embark on the six-episode journey of Loki, MCU plot lines that we feel, or I feel in this instance, have kind of been dropped or we haven't had a, a follow-up on. It's, and when you think about it, there's more than a few. So I thought after kind of kind of rummaging around those plots and trying to figure out, huh, how come we haven't gotten a follow-up on this yet? Besides the strikes, because I do think there's more to it than that. Um, I came up with a few that we will go through. This should be this should be really interesting. I know when you and I texted about this a couple of days ago, there was one that you brought up in particular. <laughs> That you had a lot to say on. So I will start with that one. Back in Spider-Man Homecoming, we have the mid credit scene where Adrian Toomes is in jail. And he runs into Matt Gargan, who we saw briefly before on the boat where Spider-Man kind of messed up that whole robbery situation. But also almost got a bunch of people killed. Led to one of the most, one of my favorite MCU scenes where Tony Stark rips him a new one. But... <laughs> In this scene, we do see uh, we do see Adrian Toomes and Matt Gargan talking about trying to figure out what to do about Spider-Man. And 
Matt Gargan is kind of pushing. I heard you know who the kid is. I, I heard you know who he is. And Toombs didn't want to divulge that information, and he just walks off. And since then, we've gotten absolutely nothing on that plot line. So, Hunter, I'll, I'll let you go first, and I'll dive in after. What, what, do you, what do you make of this whole situation? I think that this is a case of Kevin Feige and the, the brains over at Marvel Studios having what they thought was a really specific plan for what they were going to do with their Spider-Man trilogy, or at least what they were setting up for the future. And then a lot of shenanigans happening behind the scenes that completely changed that and altered that in ways that they really weren't expecting. Um, and it also drives me insane. This is something I think about like all the time because it, it the MCU doesn't always set things up perfectly. I think they do a really good job of kind of throwing things out there uh, that could go a lot of different ways and then finding the story as it goes. Um, and this is something that was set up so specifically with such a clear end game. And it's like the one that just didn't, that just didn't play out this way. And I think about it all the time because what I feel like it was setting up is something that I really, really would have liked to see and could have happened really naturally and organically. Um, don't get me wrong. This is not No Way Home slander. I really like No Way Home. There's a lot of stuff in that movie I really, really love. But there's like a little guy in the back of my head that's kind of, I don't want to say No Way Home hater, but is like, like, hey, you really want to like Scorpion in that third movie? Like that's that's always there. And I can't get him to go away. And I think about him a lot. Um, yeah. What's crazy is the ending of the second movie sets up like it connects to that post credit scene so perfectly and i'm not the first person to point this out or say it uh but it's it does seem very clear to me that they were setting up originally not for this big multiversal third film um mm -hmm. where there's like magic involved and all of this stuff they they were setting up for spider-man making a lot of enemies in these first two movies uh, and then his identity being revealed and some, whether I don't necessarily think the sinister six was going to be a thing like right mm -hmm. away, but you have Matt Gargan who the one thing he's saying is I want to know who the kid is. I want to know who Spider-Man is and I want to get my revenge. And that's Scorpion's whole thing. Like initially in the comics is he's, he's this lower level criminal who really wants to prove himself and he wants revenge. He's a revenge character, uh, which is interesting because that's not necessarily something like the a lot of the Spider-Man movies have always had characters and villains who are connected to Peter Parker in a really specific way. And they have other goals and it's more, um, it's emotional in a different way. Uh, whereas yeah. Matt Gargan is like, I want revenge. Um, which I find really interesting. Plus Michael Mando as, yeah. uh, Matt Gargan or Scorpion is such a home run casting. It's mm -hmm. like anyone who's seen better call Saul, like the depths and levels Amen. and ability that this man has and him as this character specifically would have been just a godsend and him Nacho. rest in peace nacho nacho but I, lo I love this love this man uh if you haven't seen better call Saul, please please watch it because it's a master class that's a different a different podcast episode mm -hmm. um but yeah all of this to say that like they they set this up so specifically and it was so such a good idea um, and, you know, there's all those rumors about, like, Craven, so it wouldn't be just Scorpion. I, I feel like a lot of people feel like Scorpion can't 
be a main villain. Like he doesn't have the juice to be like the lead villain. Um, I disagree. I mean, I have my, I also have my own theories and ideas of how you could use him. Um, which we may or may not get into, but yeah, I don't know. I just, it was set up so specifically. And then I think there was a lot of messing with Sony saying they want something a little bit crazier for the third movie. Um, you know, they want to tie it into the multiverse saga, which I get. And I, I love that. Uh, you end up with something really cool and really special. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know this, all of this to say they set up the sinister six, uh, you know, you have tombs in jail, um, that gets resolved, not resolved on that gets further unresolved right. <laughs> in Morbius for some reason as that's clear him getting sent to the Sony verse is clearly not the original plan there. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just this wonderful, beautiful setup. And then it just, it went nowhere. And now you have, the, I'm curious to see if Gargan does come back, right? Like his whole thing is, when we last saw him is I want to know who the kid is. Then presumably he finds out who the kid is, but he's just still in jail. And then he once again forgets who the kid is via magic. Well, maybe still in jail. So when you pick up that line again, is there like a sense of irony that he still just really wants to know who Spider-Man is? Or is that dropped completely and he has like kind of has a whole new characterization if he shows up? I, I don't know. I gonna get to Gargan in a second. But I think the, the most important thing, especially for the audience who's listening, there's been a couple of times on this show that I have kind of alluded to a story that happened on the No Way Home set where apparently there was an issue and it kind of changed the the third act of the movie because they didn't have one so once i found out it the from more than one source that this was true i feel comfortable in saying this so i will say it the the michael keaton character the vulture character was supposed to be in no way home it was yeah. supposed to be apparently a big part of the movie Apparently, he had an issue with the director, an issue so big that he left the movie, and therefore, they had to kind of blow things up. So, with that situation, here comes the multiverse, here comes Garfield, here comes Tobey Maguire, and we have a completely different movie. Now, granted, what we got, and the fact that they were able to do that on the fly, is one of the most batshit crazy things that we've seen in cinema ever, considering... A situation like that. Now, let's get to Matt Gargan. Here's what I think they're going to do. We've had the Sony Eddie Brock. We've had the Sony Venom. They're doing a third Venom film. The symbiote is in the MCU. Showed up. Why don't we just use Matt Gargan as Venom? I... Okay, I have... Maybe it's just because I love Spider-Man and... and the individuality of his villain so much i just i i'm a scorpion lover like if that's not clear already like i've always felt like he's a really underrated villain and i always really liked like i think his power set is really cool and unique and i i think that like visually that tail and him kind of being like a natural predator like the scorpion being a natural predator of the spider is like a very interesting idea to me mm -hmm. um so I think part of me would be really disappointed. I mean, unless they went back and like he loses the symbiote and he's like, I still want some sort of power. And then I he mean, ends up being this Scorpion. Is my, this is my thing not to cut you, but I yeah, feel no, like good. you can do Scorpion 
you could do Scorpion in this next movie, and then for whatever reason, Parker foils him again to the yeah. point that he's annoyed, and then it leads to him donning the symbiote later. I could totally see Gargan Venom um, happening in the MCU. I absolutely, I can absolutely see them doing that, especially because I think. Aside from Eddie Brock and Flash Thompson in the comics, he probably has the longest Venom tenure. Um, There was that period where he wasn't with Eddie and he bounced from guy to guy. He was like a member of the mafia for like one comic or however long that was. Uh, But yeah, Gargan's run lasted and it it lasted through a lot of really big Marvel storylines too. So it's Mm -hmm. not like it, it wasn't impactful at all. Um, that would be really interesting, actually. I as long as I you still fit Scorpion in there somehow, I think that would be really fun, a uh, really fun change of pace. Yeah, and and this is the thing, like, it's one of those where I wonder in the future. Now that we're, pro- I if I had to guess, I don't think we see the Vulture character again. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna be a difficult thing to kind of balance, but. I could see that Venom plot thread coming back and being a big part of things and kind of pushing that, pushing at least that part of the narrative forward. It definitely does feel that the way that they're building the MCU currently, the street level MCU, I should say, is we, I mean, we'll, we'll know more in Echo in a couple of months, but yeah, once the, once the Kingpin is on his way to becoming a high government official, <laughs> Um, it, uh, it does kind of feel like this whole, like, Sinister Six on film property concept is is cursed at this point, because every time tough. they've gotten close, it, it falls through, and then you have No Way Home, uh, where, you know, it seems like they were supposed to have Vulture in there, too, and then there's no Vulture, and then there's five villains instead of six, and they're like, oh, we never wanted to do the Sinister Six. Like, all right. <laughs> sure yeah pretty much yeah it it pretty much (laughs) does feel like that's what what they wanted to go but again i can't say this enough considering what happened the fact that they were able to recover on the oh yeah 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 yeah. is is a pretty a pretty amazing stuff um yeah that's a it's a great it's a great what if because i mean if we view the spider-man story the way that homecoming had that set up, that was pretty good. And then to your point, far from home, the post credit sets that up even further. And then the third one, say, if you were, you were going to do something along those lines, the third one continues that street stuff and then gets into the sinister six. And then that, that streamline into whatever Fisk is doing. And then whatever daredevil's doing, it just that, it feels ooh, really that would have been more. It would have been. Yeah. It would have felt more cohesive than what we what we got. Yeah, and I think uh, this is less theorizing and more like a personal wish. But I I always thought it would have been really cool. Like Jameson in the comics has a really big hand in um, Scorpion's creation, and I thought it would have been. Co- I, there were rumors before No Way Home came out that ended up not being true that like. The Smythe, like Alistair Smythe and some of the, you know, his spider slayers and whatnot would be involved. And I always thought it'd be a really cool Spider-Man movie would be Scorpion is is trying to get, Matt Gargan is trying to get at Spider-Man for revenge. You know, maybe that third movie is, uh, Peter's identity is revealed. Jameson is like, 
I want him gone. So Jameson kind of is working with Smythe. He's behind those Spider Slayers. Um, and then instead of one of the Smythes becoming the quote-unquote ultimate Spider Slayer, you have Matt Gargan volunteering his body, and then he becomes the quote, ultimate Spider Slayer Scorpion or something like that. Like That would have felt like a really natural third movie that goes into whatever happens after that. Um, but yeah, it's the ultimate what if, because obviously that'll never happen now. Instead, they made a billion dollar movie um, that was incredible and a smashing success. None of this is no way home slander. It's just a very intriguing. Yeah. Like absolutely. what would have happened if things, if things played out differently behind the scenes. Yeah. Just, uh, I, especially after I think, you know, going back and reading some of the original, like gang war stuff, the sinister mm-hmm. six stuff. If you go back and read those books, like a story like that. I mean, even going back to the animated series, because part of that, part of that included Peter revealing his identity, but them not believing that this guy was actually Spider-Man. So like, there's a lot of, (laughs) there was a lot of potential fun stuff that they could have played with, but I think considering how it turned out, it turned out okay. And we'll see, you know, once the, once the strike is over, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed as, negotiations are still currently going right now if we get the stuff that we're supposed to get then we'll get maybe something that will be worthwhile in terms of the street store because at the end of the day spider-man's a street hero we want to see this kind of ground ground based new york city based gangs these uh these street villains like all of this stuff this is kind of the the meat and potatoes of what spider-man is so very excited to see where Spidey goes next. All right, next plot line. So, this is actually one that I've that it was the only thing that really disappointed me about disappointed me about uh, Multiverse of Madness. So, in the original Doctor Strange, we have this this character in in Baron Mortal. Uh, I see where this is going. <laughs> and he throughout the movie is dedicated to the ancient one's teachings dedicated to the philosophy just incredibly ingrained and just he is like he's so into the idea of what the ancient one's teachings are that when he finds out that she's also twisted the the mystic arts for a specific reason he his whole viewpoint on everything changes it's such an incredible turn it's really one of the most underrated uh turns from hero to villain and in a lot of ways it's a kind of justified one well it's one that you can understand to a degree where he's so like he's so irritated i just remember that line the bill comes due always yeah and then we get the post credit where I, I can't remember Benjamin Bratt's character's name, but you know, he takes away his powers and he says, No more sorcerers. And then we don't get nothing. Yeah. We get nothing we at get, all. We get we get Rasta Mordo in uh, Multiverse <laughs> of Madness. It's just absolute crickets. <laughs> and it's like we don't get any we don't get anything extra. Now, I thank the Lord because apparently initially in one of in some of the writing of Multiverse of Madness, they wanted to start the movie with Wanda chopping his head off. Yeah, there was concept art for that, right? Didn't that like yeah. wasn't that released at some point? Yeah, uh, that oh, would have been that would have been really. I would have been 
upset. Like, actually, I, I liked Multiverse of Madness uh, more than some people seem to, but if that was included, I would have held that against it a little yeah, bit. Same. Yeah. Same. Uh, I do think it was a very val- – Is it like, I think it's one of those – that it and it also doesn't feel like they're gonna follow up on it either because of the way that know. multiverse of madness ended because they're going to the dark the dark dimension. Yeah, and again, this feels like another case of like their plans just kind of changed at a certain point. Um, a lot of that probably had to do with the change in the creative team for multiverse of madness. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, I there's no proof that Scott Derrickson or C. Robert Cargill or any of the people involved in the first one would have continued that story, but like you said, it's it's so interesting, right? Because Mordo, the precedent for Mordo is that he's the first strange villain. Like he's the, I'm going to say this, the Cassilius or whatever, you know, uh, Mads yeah. Mikkelsen's character. Like his role in that first movie is traditionally Mordo. Um, so it was really interesting to see them kind of play that long game where they could play Mordo and Strange off each other as like two sides of the same coin and kind of establish him as like a long running villain. Uh, almost like the Loki to Strange's Thor. Yeah. Like it's it's so interesting, and it's so much more interesting than making Mordo the one-off villain and and playing with those thoughts and ideas. Uh, and yeah, and then it's just it's just gone. And the fact that they the fact that they planned on killing him at all, and that that was like approved at one point, tells me that they were like, actually, we're not doing this. So maybe we just resolve it and wipe our hands of it. But. I don't know. It is it is also really, really frustrating because like you said, it's just it's set up so well. It's another case of being set up so well and having it's a no great ending to, to a movie. Like it, it really so is great because it to your point, it establishes Mordo as this this figure with an axe to grind, a legit axe to grind. Yeah. And he has a lot of passion in that with that axe to grind, and yet I don't see anything. I don't see anything, and I'm not sure we are going to see anything. So I think from that standpoint, that was very frustrating to me. And this is somebody who enjoyed Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. I really liked it. I think, what did did me? Me and Jake ranked it 12th in in our MCU rankings. And you put Mordo in there in Multiverse of Madness, and it it almost feel. I mean, granted, his alternate universe version plays a critical role in the movie. For sure. But it also kind of feels like, you know, they're like, we got this guy. He's on contract for another one, so we'll put him in it. <laughs> but they're like, it's not the story, so we got to come up with something else. But then it makes you wonder if they never bring uh, this original Morda back, what's he doing? <laughs> Did he, is he, is he out know. there actually still cutting down sorcerers? Because it doesn't feel like, is he on a beach somewhere? Did he give up? Was he like, actually, I'm just retiring. And I, he's hanging out with Eddie Brock and Venom on a beach? Like, I, I don't know. Where'd it's he go? A, yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I I wish, I really do wish, because it seems like the third movie, every rumor that you that we've heard about the third movie is that they're just lining up Strange and Kang. Like, they're lining yeah. them up as... It's it's good, particularly Strange is going to be the guy that's supposed to be taking on Kang, and the way that Strange is viewed is ultimately not necessarily a villain per se, but continuing that multiverse of madness theme where his character, no matter what universe, is always going to make a dark choice per se, or just do what the the whatever it takes. Uh, yeah. The Leroy Jenkins uh, 
uh, type of way to, to do things. So if it's going to be that, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I will say there. Every rumor we've heard about this third movie, like you said, is the strange thing. But it's also this idea that they're going to be dealing with incursions. You yep. know, they hinted that. Um, Clea, they introduced Clea, so she's in it. Um, we still have no idea how that's going to play out, per se. There's room. I mean, Mordo historically has a heavy association with Dormammu, and so does Clea. So if the Strange and Clea thing, and, you know, the post credit scene shows them going to the Dark Dimension, so right. if him and Clea are going to the Dark Dimension, and presumably that means, unless they abandon this plotline too, uh, that they're going and they're going to see more Dormammu. Who's to say that at some point in his journey to kill off a bunch of sorcerers, uh, Mordo ended up in league with Dormammu. Maybe he's like, I'm going to go to the Dark Dimension and I'm going to hang out with this guy. I'm going to talk with him. We're going to have a little meeting. We're going to game plan. And then he got <laughs> stuck in the Dark Dimension. He's like, ah, I'm still here. And then Strange and Clear show up and he's like, this is not, this is a way out. I didn't want to see you guys. I don't really want to hang out with you. But here we are, and now he's like along for the adventure, and then they knock out that third movie um, on the contract, and they fa- I don't know. Like I, I do think there's still room. Um, yeah. Maybe he is stuck in the dark dimension. We're going to find that out. That feels like kind of an easy out for, like, this is why he hasn't been around for a minute. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who's to say? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, again, just please bring our original Mordo back. I would like to see him one more time kind of follow up with Strange, if possible. But I don't know with these things. This is the thing about the MCU. It's so wide spanning and so big that now it's like you get lost in some of the the little details that that you uh, that you miss. I mean, it took them like a decade and a half to figure out how they were going to make the Incredible Hulk matter, and here we are. So <laughs> who's to say? <laughs> in, in, in incredible stuff, man. All right. So the next plot line, which admittedly it's gonna get addressed soon yeah well soon pending whenever they they uh finish filming captain america brave new world but in eternals we have this uh big old celestial hanging out in the ocean got stuck there and then also like i'll add to that too we had a bunch of folks whisked away disappearing at the end of that movie Uh and we're getting close to it now being three years from <laughs> said movie taking place. And I just feel like there are some unanswered questions. But let's start with the celestial first. And this is now where this is now where we can do the show I secretly always want to do is just speculate on MCU rumors and things that potentially <laughs> can happen. I've I've kind of like know, is, I've kind is... of like di- I've dialed it back a lot in the last uh, year anyone, and a half. Anyone but this listening. is this is the perfect show for it. So <laughs> let me just get this off real quick. Please do. So allegedly, 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 the Captain America: Brave New World is about the chase for a certain metal called adamantium, and President Ross, the new president. Which we haven't we which we haven't seen as of yet, played by Harrison Ford, is going to be after said medal, and it seems like good old Cap Sam Wilson is going to be in his way. So this and this will set up a a chain of events where everybody in the world is after said adamantium, which is made out of allegedly 
the celestial in said ocean. <laughs> Just pull if, if, polluting if, our if, if, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, but I but it, it is interesting that like I said, Eternals has now we're almost three years removed from that movie. It, yeah, this... you would think that something like that. I know they like I they've alluded to it in in a in another movie or or another show or something along those lines. But I feel like if you leave something that big just hanging out there, that big like metaphorically and literally. <laughs> this has got to be the most insane loose plot thread. Uh, and granted, like it's it's wild to say only 3 years, but it's it's 3 years where like production has been affected by pandemic and now that, there's that a strike. Is very true. And so there, there's exterior factors here that i i do acknowledge um but yeah that's that's a crazy thing for no other project to really talk about um i mean you even have the statue of liberty changing in in no way home is like a thing like even that gets like acknowledged but this is like literally the composition of earth is different now and no one is discussing it. And and I get, like, you can mess with the timeline. You can say, well, this one happened before. This one happened kind of concurrently. Or, and it's not even, like, that's the most obvious thing. But just Eter- the Eternals as a concept is this massive, like, new way to understand the MCU and its history and how all, everything came to be. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's just kind of it's just kind of hanging there, um, which is crazy. I, it, they have to. There's no way that they don't address it in the near future. And if, if this is the case, if this is the route they go, uh, that will be really interesting. And I think it'll be a really satisfying payoff to be like, yeah. you very know, worthwhile to me. Yeah. Well, people have been wondering for a really long time, how different elements of like the X-Men universe, we're going to start factoring into the MCU. Um, and I think that them kind of doing it this roundabout way where all of these different thing, crazy things happen and they kind of all factor into creating mutants and, you know, adamantium now exists and you have all of this stuff. Um, yeah, I think that would be that would be really, really interesting. And it's a very interesting plot line. But yeah, yes. I just just wild and, and for anyone listening, this is exactly what like when AC and I text each other, this is what our plot. This is what our text threads. Pretty like much. it's just talking about this and theorizing about this. So I I know my guy has been waiting to talk about this on. Podcast. Yeah, I, I I this was the, <laughs> this was the perfect opportunity, especially with another MCU project coming back to kind of dive into these things to kind of refresh not only my own mind but the audience as well. Um, because it's like this stuff that you stuff that if you don't think about it, it's like wait a minute that happened. Because think think about this. Um. Whitman and the Ebony Blade and Blade. I was literally just gonna bring it up. Blade like, at the end of the movie, we get Mahershala <laughs> Ali's voice, and we don't know when Blade will ever film. And this was even is, before the strike. You cast Kit Harrington. Uh, this has been a thing for, and I'm not. We don't have to go into all of these things, but this has been a really mm-hmm. big phase four thing, like for the MCU, where they just they they have introduced a lot of characters over like three or four years with no clear like this is where this character goes next or like this is the next project you'll see like you can go dane whitman and black like blade keeps getting delayed and and like we don't know when we're gonna see that movie 
Uh, Mahershala Ali is going to be like 80 by the time. I mean, Jake, 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 <laughs> Jake believes it's not going to happen. Now, and, I and, personally believe that it, I personally believe that it will because he, it sounds like he is driven to do this. So yeah. If but that's the it, case, then it'll get done. But hey, admittedly, it's been a couple of years, and yeah, and there's rumors that that movie's going to introduce like Blade's daughter that was like conceptualized for the comics, and that series never happened for a bunch of different reasons. And if that's the case, then it's like, yeah, maybe you Mahershala Ali is doing it, knowing he's going to get one, maybe two Blade movies, and then pass the torch, which is fine. Like if that's the case, it's like okay, cool, but. You have that. You if the Blade movie doesn't happen, then where the heck are we seeing Black Knight? Like I don't know where that's going on. You have him. Yeah, She Hulk randomly drops Scar. You have uh, Love and Thunder. I mean, there's rumors there's another Thor movie in development, but like I, when are we seeing Hercules in the next like five years? It's just it's it's wild to me that there's like all of these new characters, and I get it. Like. The MCU, like I said earlier, is really good at coming up with fun things to happen later, throwing it out there, and five years later, finding a way somehow to pay it off. So I'm not even saying I assume it won't pay off or that it'll be bad. I'm just saying I don't really know where it goes. <laughs> hey, remember when that dude from Variety spoiled Harry Styles uh, showing up at the end <laughs> of Eternals? And uh, if, you, yes. if you had to ask yourself personally today, are we going to see Harry Styles in another MCU movie? And I was like, oh, well, I don't know, man. I feel like that. After Don't Worry, Darling, who's to say? I don't know. I think, I think, that's, a, I think that's a little tough right now. That's what that's what I would say. But, I mean, just look at Eternals by itself. Eternals has like 5,000 things that I don't know <laughs> if they'll ever get back to. So many. That is a movie chock full of characters and ideas that I'm not sure we'll ever see again. And it's not even necessarily... Yeah, if that movie had been a smashing success, then yeah, they probably would have fast-tracked something. You know what wild but, part is? I don't... Low-key, I don't hate that movie. I, I don't actually either. think... Like, I actually kind of like it. I think it would have worked better as a TV series, and it would have been easier agree. to introduce those characters that way as opposed to one spot. I actually pitched and it didn't i didn't end up writing it now i kind of wish that i did just for the sake of this podcast episode but i did pitch when that around the time that movie came out uh that it would have been really cool if that was more one of marvel's first like quote prestige like tv shows uh because there's so much mm. so much to do and if you have a tv show with that like massive budget uh, and with all of those characters like like you said i just think it would have worked better almost like an episodic format um, where you can develop all of that information a little bit better. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, just wild. But even if that movie had done like moderately better than it did, I still don't see with all yeah, of the plot difficult. lines that the MCU is trying to juggle right now, where that comes into play. Because even if they were to have greenlit uh, Eternals 2, like immediately after that movie, with all of the different movies and tv shows and stuff that they are mm -hmm. planning on doing and now you know you're the strike has helped but you see people they're spacing it out they're delaying stuff i even if they had already greenlit eternals 2 it's still like what 2028 that we that we see that at the earliest like it's i don't know it's wild i think it it does speak to uh the actual issue with continuity especially when the continuity has been 
good for the first three phases. And now it seems like there is a lot of, um, Charles Murphy likes to say this a lot. There's a lot of pass it to the next guy, pass it to the next guy, pass it to the next guy. Yeah. And I think that is 100% true in that case, because it does feel like, especially if you read any interview from any director who's done an MCU thing. I mean, I think a secret evasion, um, the Marvels is another one that's coming down soon where they've kind of talked about like, Hey, this thing may lead to this thing, but I don't know. But it's one of those things that I guess you'll have to ask the next person about, but it could be a thing, but we don't know. Maybe perhaps actually, I don't know. (laughs) So it's one of the, it's one of those things where you're not sure. And that's where you want to, you, especially if I think for the diehards like you and me, where we are locked in on everything, this is getting to be even for us a little bit like, hey, yeah. st- stick to it. Like, yeah. get us to where we need to go. I can I can feel, I mean, burnout is like an over, because I'm not burnt out. Uh, yeah, uh, burnout is not the word I do. If I was burnt out, I wouldn't be here doing this right now. Right. But, <laughs> but it, it's, it's like an overwhelm. Like, it's like when you're overwhelmed. So your brain is like, I'm juggling too many things, so I have to drop some of it like I can't be focusing on all of it all at once because it's too much um and then my brain will drop certain plot lines or it'll drop certain characters and I don't think about them that much anymore and then I lose interest in them and it's not because they're not good characters it's just there's so much going on um and I think that I've talked about this on this podcast Mm -hmm. before and I have said this in a really positive context. And I do think of it still as a positive thing, but I also think there are negatives to it. And now we're really starting to feel the negatives to it. And that is that when Kevin Feige said that after Endgame, the MCU would be different, like a whole new different MCU. I think what he really meant is that it would no longer be singular in the way that we had seen it. Like those first three phases from Iron Man to you know Infinity War, Endgame, Uh, That whole Infinity Saga was very... I mean, yes, things changed along the way. I'm sure that when they made Iron Man, they didn't picture exactly what Endgame was going to be. But there was, like, a singular storyline happening through everything. And even the one-off movies, you know, eventually made their way. It all connected, right? It's all connected was the big thing. And Phase 4, I think, has experimented with dropping that and being more like comics where you have multiple different storylines going on at the same time. So it's like a big live action comic book universe, which in theory is really cool. And I really like that. And it's really fun. And at first it was kind of fun and exciting and I was really into it. And I, I'm still, I still don't hate that idea, but the problem with that is when you have a street level storyline going on and you have a cosmic storyline going on and you have an Avengers storyline going on it's hard to focus in on what's important and what's not. And there's a lot of things going on at the same time and then pass it to the next guy becomes more critical to your creative process because that's how comic books work. You, a guy might be writing a series and he has his like 10, 15, 30, 45, a hundred, 700 issues planned out. Um, and he tells his stories, but he plants little seeds of ideas that he thinks are interesting. And then when the next writer takes over the series, it's pass it to the next guy. And in comics, that works. You can do that with you can you can introduce a million characters in the same six months, and they can each get their own comic series 
And that's fine because you have a million different writers and you have a million different readers with different viewpoints and you don't have to be reading every series. Uh, whereas the MCU built itself up as something where people feel like it all has to connect and they all have to watch everything to understand everything. And it still kind of is like they didn't abandon that concept fully enough <laughs> to then also do the pass it to the next guy technique in my, in my opinion. So now what you end up with is different people and Feige and you have uh, Taika Waititi and you have, you know, the list, the list goes on and on and on different directors and different creative minds, Chloe Zhao, like all this stuff, um, mm -hmm. introducing new characters, introducing new concepts uh, with the, with the promise of you'll do this and we'll pass it on to the next guy. But it's so much harder to do that when you have, when you're advertising your movies and shows as events, as opposed to like, this is a series you can read if you like, and this is a series you can read if you like. It just, it makes it more confusing and overwhelming and complicated, in, in my opinion. So there's there's pros to that, and it's very interesting, but there's also that when you have an audience that's not comic book readers, and a universe that wasn't initially designed in this way, it makes it kind of feel more jumbly. I, that's not really a word, but if you get what I'm saying. No, I mean, I think for lack of a better term, I mean, sloppy is the word I would use. I yeah. think the, and the sloppiness comes from the stuff you said as far as the way that it seems like they've went about creating this is creating menu items for you to choose from. Right. This is more dedicated to the casuals. We're going to do different stuff. We're going to do a WandaVision show that's a sitcom and it's set in the 60s and throughout decades and stuff like that. Grab the casual viewer here. We're going to do an action movie-ish TV show, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're going to do something like that. We're going to do something like Loki. We're going to continue on and do all of these different things. I mean, even now, them spinning off Agatha and making that show what it is, is yeah. a completely different show. Agatha is a show, say what you want. Agatha Harkness is is uh, is a big comic book character. That show is being made for casuals. Uh, that show is definitely <laughs> being made for the casual fan. Agatha Harkness is not a big. I mean, like, like yeah. in in the yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. like if you're like if you're like diehard, yeah, like yeah. You, if you get into the whole high evolutionary and all that other stuff, yeah, that that, that actual ethos and all of that stuff, yeah, oh, yeah. like they're the, the yeah, interest I, there. I see what yeah. your point. Yeah, like they're making that show. Because Agatha was such a hit in one, such a hit. So like yeah. they're doing stuff like that, and that's the thing. When you do stuff like that, you tend to, regardless of however you, however what you intended to do, it is gonna come off a certain way. And I mean, I mean, this is the thing. Like you have, I mean, we could talk about all, we could talk about all any of these series that are coming out in the next year or two that are even going deeper into the comic book landscape. Uh, something like Wonder Man. Um, oh, yeah. I'm actually really excited I, for Iron the Heart. <laughs> Iron Heart. I mean, the, the, the way that Wonder Man seems like they're going to go with it, seems like there's a lot of She-Hulk type yeah. of um, stuff that's that, that they're going to do there. So that would actually interest me. Uh, but... That's the thing, like when we're getting into we're getting into the weeds here, like we're getting really deep in. So what does that mean for the overall viewing experience? Now, spacing it out is cool and all, but I mean, we had a guest, Mike Ryan, a couple weeks ago, 
And he was talking about like, do we really need to do Secret Wars? Why don't we just reset the whole thing? Which yeah. I feel like they're going to do. I think that's like the point of Secret Wars. That is the point of Secret but, Wars. Yeah. But Secret Wars at this point is going to take place. I mean, shoot. I'm going to be into my early 40s by the time that movie comes out. And yeah. um, sure, what's it, the current release year? I know it got delayed again. I'm blanking on the. I mean, right now, like it's a tw- I see 2027 and I see 2028. Like those yeah. two years. So the for ones that they're, they're marking for, it out for for context. I was nine years old when the MCU started. And by the time Secret Wars come out, I'll be almost 30. <laughs> that's, that's a significant that's, that's a significant that's a long time, time. <laughs> that's a really you know long you know that's like most of my life you know yeah. what it is to have something going on for two decades it's, it's not like star wars that took like this really really long break and then decided to come back and yeah and now they're getting into their own lore oh yeah stuff, like but. a consistent production for most of a human being's lifetime is in it it's what it's an achievement like i not it, it, that, what 100 percent. but it, yeah it also it's like how long does does that last how long can you make that last it's very there's a lot of questions and i yeah i was gonna say to your point of like spacing it out or not spacing it out when you are quote unquote getting into the weeds for people who aren't like crazy massive nerds like you and I, um, like, yeah, I think Wonder Man is a really cool character, but most of my friends probably have no idea that Wonder Man exists. So if you're making projects based on him and it's all spaced out, are people going to stay interested? Or it's like, yeah, if everything's coming out on top of each other, that's one thing. But then you also have people saying, well, I'm burnt out on all the Marvel stuff. So it's very interesting to see how that's going to have an impact on audiences. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Um, I, have a, I have a couple more to throw at you. Yes, all right, please. So please, please. The, this, is the, this is actually one of the more, I felt, MCU-like movies of Phase 4, Shang-Chi. Mm. Was it was different, but it had that vibe. It had that real like MCU vibe from kind of like the way the 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 feeling of the family stuff and and the way that everything went. We have our little uh little uh character stuff with Wong showing up, fighting Abomination. That was fun. And then you know we have all of the regular stuff with Shang Chi, and then we see Trevor. And then all that stuff. We have our little MCU hits here and there. And then we get to the end of the movie. We get to the mid-credits scene. So they're talking about the Ten Rings. Shang-Chi meets Bruce Banner. Captain Marvel. And uh, when Wong is there as well. And they're analyzing the Ten Rings. They're talking about some beacon from somewhere. <laughs> calling out to the rings. And mind you, this was another 2021 movie. Mm-hmm. And... Where, where 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 did this go? Absolutely nowhere. <laughs> what's I, like, what's happening with that? I, that's what I, I that's what I want to know, because it it does seem like it should be a big deal since they decided to include an yeah. OG Avenger and the probably the one of the biggest new Avengers. Yeah, well, because like Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel is they've made they've made a point. To say that she's not, like, Earth's biggest defender. She's, like, the universe's biggest defender. So, the galaxy, whatever you want to call it. So, 
if she's concerned and she's interested, that means that she thinks this is like potentially like a universal fit, like a threat, uh, which is very interesting. And this is also something I have almost no clue what to make of <laughs> because there's very few hints uh, as to what this could be. And whereas a lot of these other things, it's like, oh, well, clearly this didn't play out this way because this movie changed in production. You can't really say that with this. Uh, no, because and, I feel like this was like at the outset of phase four. Like this is like the early, early phase. Right. Four. And even with all the eternal stuff we just talked about, it's like, okay, well, it seems like Captain America or Thunderbolts or something are rumored to maybe like talk about this thing. And maybe yeah. this plot line will get kind of picked up here. But this, I don't where, you know, we used to talk about maybe in the Marvels, whatever is causing the, the Marvels, the three Marvels to switch around with each other. It has something to do with this beacon or there used to be uh you know, maybe Miss Marvel's, um, uh, I'm completely the blanking on the, the bangles. Thank you. Uh, maybe the bangles are connected to this in some way and it's like a similar energy, but now that seems less likely to be the case. So I don't know. My theory was the bangles like, back when you had the same theory i don't know if you still have that same theory or not but what that the bangles uh, are connected to kang or no just that the, there was some sort of like like in miss marvel the bangles seem to have some sort of like there's the theory with the Cree connection and then oh, there was like yeah, oh yeah 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 it was like this big round it was a stretch it was a stretch roundabout i don't even remember all the details but now that seems even less likely to be potentially true so I have no idea. Well, we may get just, some answers on that in the Marvel, so... We might. We might. So, That's, at least we'll have that. I think the Shang-Chi thing... I mean, there's two There's two theories for me. One is if they're con just continuing the Shang-Chi story, maybe yeah. this is the... Maybe this is another, like, alternate dimension or where uh, Fin Fang Foom... Uh, Kan Lung, Kan Lung, or that, or Kan Lung too. Yeah, that's another one. Um, Resident Iron Fist fan. We, we get into we get into <laughs> the, we get into the Iron Fist world. Well, hopefully something a little bit better than what we got before. Uh, it's yeah that, or if it directly connects to wherever the uh, battle world slash Beyonder is. Interesting. That's the only thing that. As I think about it now, as opposed to what I thought about it before, as now is it clearly is Secret Wars is where we're headed. Is that the, is that the connection? Interesting to note that if this is something that they plan to specifically save for like a Shang Chi follow up, um, Simu Liu has said publicly that he's under the impression they are waiting to make that second movie until after Kang Dynasty and potentially after Secret Wars and stuff. So okay. if that is the case, then may maybe that's true. Like maybe it, it like that plot line specifically is connected to something in Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars, Beyond or whatever, and mm -hmm. they have to wait until that storyline happens to then follow up with it in a second Shang-Chi movie. I, I don't know. Um, I it, I do like, I mean, just selfishly, I really would love if they were randomly like, yeah, this is a beacon to like, uh, like the other 
seven heavenly kingdoms and stuff like that. Uh, that seems like a stretch to me. Uh, it makes more sense that they'd want to tie it in with Secret Wars because it feels like they're they are kind of bending everything in that direction now uh, to a certain degree in the same way they did with Infinity War and Endgame. Um, but yeah, this is this is the one that's just such a it's such a dangling thread. I have no idea what direction to pull it in. <laughs> yes, very yeah. That one is has always, especially now that we're even more far removed from it. It is a it is one that it intrigues me and I want to see where that goes. Um, okay. So this one is very recent. This one happened this year. So in what I personally thought was a mistake in the film, I, I don't think they should have had Ant-Man defeat. Uh, Kang. Yeah. I don't think that, I think that was, a, that was a genuine, just like they messed that part up. That, that was one that I wish if there was a do over, yeah. And I realized that he doesn't have to kill Ant-Man, but he doesn't have to get yeeted off and lose either. <laughs> could have had could have trapped Ant-Man and got out, but that didn't happen. He got yeeted off somewhere. Where did Kang go? Where do you think he went? I think that he's kind of just cuz he gets sucked into like his own time yeah, that whole energy thing. And right. so in the in the mid credits, the other variants are saying like, "Oh, we don't sense him. He's dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. No, he's not dead. They made way. There's no way he's dead. They made way too big of a deal about it. Um, no, he's not dead. I think that he got yeeted off into some like plane that exists outside. I mean, but that's the thing is that's where he was. Like that's what. The quantum well, yeah, realm that's is. The, that's the, so that's it's the like, funny part about it. That's, that's the why it's like, like that's why it makes into me like a think, different right? quantum realm where he's like, oh man, not again. <laughs> that's actually that would be really funny. That the only positive to that would be that we would get a shot where he realizes he's just in the same exact situation a second time immediately is is really funny. Um I I don't know. I don't I don't think he's dead. Um and if they don't sense him, then to me that means he would have to be somewhere where they can't sense him. Either um, they can't sense him, or perhaps as even more. Let's get into the let's get into the Reddit, the Reddit, the Reddit rumors. Please this, unleash this. All right, so let's say that Kang ultimately becomes the MCU's version of the Beyonder. All right. And then he's the, the he's the one that creates this battle world that eventually will get all of the Fox oh, yeah. folks and the Sony folks. I still assume that he is the one who's going to create that. I again, this is I've said this on this pod too, and I sound like a crazy who. Listen, Talk I played me. Lego Marvel Super Heroes two, <laughs> <laughs> and this is a video game. I I believe so deeply. That Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel Studios are look are like kind of using Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 as a baseline of like they've done it before. Like that game successfully portrays Kang as the creator of, of Battleworld and and like the mas- the grandmaster of Secret Wars. Um it's not called Secret Wars in that, but that's it's basically what it is. 
and I, I think it won't be the same like reasons or storyline because it's it is set up very differently. But it's happened. It happened in a video game. It happened in the second Lego Marvel superheroes game. Uh, underrated, super fun time. Um, yeah. So I I have been operating under the assumption that like if if they want to portray him as Thanos, that he is he is like he's going to be kind of like the mcu's beyonder i think that at this point in the game like with all of the different things they've thrown around it's i think that if you introduce the beyonder as like an entirely separate concept now it it becomes a lot so i think they're going to want to streamline it and they're going to want to use kang as their version of him um you know even if like doom comes in later or something like that that's still separate because beyonder and doom still coexist in that same storyline but uh yeah, I I think that he's going to create Battle World. I think that that's that's inevitable, and I think that the reason they have him in Quantumania being the main bad guy, and again, we've been talking about rumors and things people have said a lot in this, and supposedly the original ending of that movie is that Scott Lang did get stuck in the him and Hope do get stuck in the quantum realm that Kang does that win, and then yeah. they kind of like bailed on that ending last second, which potentially big mistake. It was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think that maybe they have him in Quantumania as the main villain because, I mean, back when the Infinity Saga was happening, one of the big memes and quote-unquote complaints of, of the time was that Thanos was supposed to be this main villain, but we hadn't actually seen him that much or what he could do up until those movies, which, in my opinion, worked because it, it made work, it, yeah. yeah it made his entrance that much grander, but I think they didn't want to do that same thing again. So they're like, well, there's all these different variants of Kang. Well, it's a we different, can, like, well that's a, so th- yeah, it's a completely yeah. different villain. So you yeah. have to tell a different story. Exactly. And this one, I mean, we're about to get a continuation of it, which this is why, like with Loki, at least I do feel comfortable. Yeah. I. It's not the same do you, level of, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just had the thought. Do you think, Based on the second post credit scene or the post credit scene of right. Quantumania, do mm-hmm. you think that Victor Timely is Kang from Quantumania and that he just got shot back like way like further back into time Ooh. than he thought and without any of his equipment? So he's like, Well, I'll just wait it out in this timeline until something comes along that's gonna like propel me back to where I needed I to be. Like and like idea. Loki is that thing. Like he's he's just kind of waiting for like Loki to show up at the right moment sort of situation. And he's using his brain to be like, I'm a showman, I'm Victor Timely, because whatever. Because if he's I getting lo- sucked into his own time machine, it's a time yeah. machine, right? So yeah. like he could get shot into somewhere in the timeline where no one can sense him. Maybe because he doesn't have his technology. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But I admit that, no, that's in, that intrigues me. If that if they did that, I'd be I'd be into it. it. I'd be into it. The only question I have regarding that is, all right. So if there if timely is the actual Kang in this case, then what the hell are they doing with Ravona? That's yeah. like. This is now where we get into the Loki aspect of this, and this is where I'm very interested. Because we saw a variant of Ravona at the end of season one, and then the real, well, the the TVA's Ravona went off to go find Kang, presumably, or He Who Remains, or whatever. Yeah. 
he who remains is dead, or is he? I don't know. We'll see, because time variant, you'll you'll find me again. More you'll like find me right back here. More like he, he who said. survives. You know what I'm saying? He who survives, <laughs> perhaps. Um, he who returns. Like this is the thing. Like now we get into this is the and this is where where we talked about drop plot lines. We're now in a plot line that we can get some continuance and some answers on. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm I'm very excited for this show to come out. So we can see what's going to happen with the Kang stuff. Because at this point, this is your main plot. This is where, this is what you're driving towards with the, with the Secret War stuff. So if that's the case, like, that would be interesting. But then, like I said, I want to see what's the story with Ravona. How big of, how big of a role is she playing in this? Yeah. And, well, historically, and she's, she's going to find him this time. Yeah. Historically, she's such a key part of, his te- like his, like his drive to do things yeah. um and they're not there's no like you don't introduce her for no reason like to not do that eventually right like it it doesn't make a lot of sense and you've already teased it i don't know maybe time is a circle and this is how they meet i don't know i just i who's to say but they have to come in i feel like they have to address that this season if they don't address it in loki season two then I start to wonder: Are they are they going to address it? Because I don't see uh, yeah, where else it, it happens. It does feel like <laughs> it does feel that there has to be not necessarily resolution, but there has to be a a deliverance of a bit of a payoff of the close of season one to get at least know what is happening there and what is that building towards. Right. Um, beyond the already incredible story that they told in season one and what they're going to try and tell in season two too so i listen man i'm i'm intrigued i feel like listen we we gave you guys who are listening at about an hour on mcu plots and really got really deep into the nerd stuff yeah so and we didn't um, even get to w- the half of them really <laughs> this was a, well, i think we will, we'll revisit this subject another oh, day oh yeah um before we go though i did want to ask you because there was a big episode of Ahsoka this week. Ha! Huh, yeah. Big episode. Episode 6. As they find uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Who I did say the, the other day. I was like, wow. This is somebody who hasn't watched Rebels. Doesn't. This is my first um, introduction into Grand Admiral Thrawn. And I said, this man is hashtag washed agenda. Look, he looks, he looks very cooked out here. But also... <laughs> Guys, guy looks pretty tough. Seems like he he knows what he's doing. Um, my 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 points on this show so far have been pretty consistent. I've enjoyed it. I think it's been good. I think that they've there. It does feel like they're building towards something. I feel like Star Wars fans are very weird. I find that they're even more weird after watching the show and kind of as not knowing the lore of Rebels and seeing how people react to this week to week. I'm like, oh, so this is why MCU people are kind of feel a certain way about MCU <laughs> people. So this is kind of how this is how you see this whole thing. But I will say, very enjoyable season so far. And then on top of that. This Sabine character. I really like the actress that's playing her. I think she's doing a really good job. 
the character herself, what is she doing? She's doing the worst things ever in the world. What is wrong with her? <laughs> that, is that your question for me? <laughs> yes, what is wrong, what is with, wrong with Sabine? <laughs> what is wrong with her? I was, what is she doing? I was, this was a lot of buildup, and I was like waiting for like, what are your thoughts on the show? Or like, explain this thing with Thrawn. Or you're just like, what is wrong with Sabine? Um, okay, so... How do I how do I go about this? As someone, it's funny that you're asking me this question. So, my thoughts on Ahsoka in general are are very complicated. Um, I my relationship with Star Wars ha- is different now than it was even like a couple years ago. I I used to be diehard into Star Wars in the way that I always have been with Marvel. Um, and then there was a couple projects in a row that I just, I really didn't vibe with. And I was really upset with some like character and universal choices. Uh, and I, and I fell out of love with it a little bit, but one thing that I always did have in my core is that Star Wars Rebels, the animated TV show is one of my favorite Star Wars things ever. I love, I love that show so much with, with that a deep, seems to deep be passion. Very universal amongst yeah. fans. Yeah, and and for good like for good reason. It's a, it's a great show. The characters are incredibly lovable. They're incredibly enjoyable, and the the story is just great. Um, and it, it adds a lot of depth to the Star Wars universe in a lot of really incredible ways. But Ahsoka is very much just like Rebels too. Um, it's funny that it's even called Ahsoka. I mean, that might upset people. And just it feels more like Rebels too than like this is a show about Ahsoka specifically to me. Um, I just, I don't know what else they would have called it. Sabine Wren is actually one of my favorite characters from Rebels, and I have been very conflicted on a lot of the things in Ahsoka. One thing I will say is that Sabine is a character, and they don't really touch, there's like one line that kind of touches on it. One of Sabine's main, well, really her main arc in Rebels is that her relationship with her family is very Mm -hmm. complicated. So she's like an outcast in her family. She's kind of been ostracized. She ends up becoming, she's Mandalorian, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. And as we know from the Mandalorian TV show, that idea of clan, like being part of like a a clan or a community or a family or whatever is, is incredibly important to them. It's, it's very important to their culture and who they are and how they identify. And also Sabine is just, a person like she's she's someone who wants love and she wants to be loved and she wants to be around people that she cares about um and she kind of winds up with the rebels uh because for a litany of reasons we don't have time to get into she ends up right not super on good terms with her family and she leaves mandalore and, and yada 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 um so this idea of like having a family and having someone to be around and near and love is crucial to her character and it's it's incredibly relatable i mean we all need that we all want that um just as human beings and she becomes so close with her rebels family because she feels like she has lost her real family and a big arc in rebels is her reconnecting with her family as over the course of four seasons you meet her family you meet her mom, you meet her dad, she has a brother, you meet her brother, you learn all about she comes from Clan Wren, uh, she comes from royalty, like her mom, like her parents are, like her mom leads Clan Wren, um, it's this it's this whole thing. And then at the end of that show, like she has her family, she's reconnected with them, but the rebels, Ezra specifically, um, and Hera, 
they are like her chosen family. And she takes that very, very seriously because they have been there for her in ways that her real family wasn't. Um, And that becomes crucial to her understanding of the whole galaxy. Like she doesn't really care about much outside of protecting the people that she loves. And during the reign of the empire, that's obviously like she has a common goal with everyone else. But at the end of the day, she is a character who always would sacrifice a lot to keep a family. Like she doesn't want to lose a family again, you know? Right. And I, it's in Ahsoka. I kind of wish they touched on it a bit more because I think it would have made her decisions make more sense. Um, they say that her whole family is gone. So the, the insinuation there is that when Mandalore was destroyed and became what we now see in this era and what we've seen in the Mandalorian seasons, uh, her whole bio, like biological family and clan ran and everything died with it. Um, so it happens entirely off screen and we don't see it and we don't see her reaction to it, but she's, even though her relationship with them was complicated, right. she's lost her family. Um, Ahsoka, or Ahsoka, sorry, Sabine at one point wielded the Darksaber. Like, she was the owner of the Darksaber, and she did it with, like, her family in mind. But she's lost all of this. And at this point, like, most of her Rebels family is either gone or not with her either. And Ezra is, like, the brother that is her brother. Like, it's, like, her younger brother. Um, So I think for her, she's at a point where she's like, "I, I just need, I just need this family. I mean, granted, it's not, like, I, I get what she did. She shouldn't have done what she did. And there's all these other things, but if that brings a little bit more understanding to why she did what she did um, and who she is as a character, I don't know. I hope that helps. I just, I feel like there I, was, it, do- yeah. it actually does. <laughs> it, it does. I feel like, unfortunately for her and her <laughs> folks, I do feel like these next couple of episodes are going to be a little rough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Thrawn guy feels like he's not somebody that to be played around with. Oh, he's not. He's a threat. He's the smartest, the smartest being that's ever lived in Star Wars. Like that. That he's the strategic mind. That is <laughs> his whole thing. He's been no. he's been sitting in in a different galaxy for decades, planning a plan. I'm sure no one has a defense for. So I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. <laughs> But right, so the, so yeah, the 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 building of the story, and this is a story that is now going to span probably multiple seasons of this show. Uh, Mando, the skeleton crew, I believe that yeah. the the show with the kids, uh, and the eventual movie that intersects all of these plots that will conclude the whole Thrawn story. And at least from that standpoint, I do feel like the building block of this entire arc in this season has been done very well. I've yeah. I've enjoyed the story so far. I think yeah. there are little nitpicks you can have, but I do think that I do have the benefit of not having known uh, the the entire history of Rebels and everything that goes on there, where I can kind of just follow along and enjoy the show. And know that they're building towards something grander and appreciate the way that they're choosing to get into Ahsoka and Sabine's relationship and and Sabine making these choices because this will 
give her something for her to have a a little bit of a comeback on later at some yeah. point because this is going to be something that she's going to have to pay for. Well, and I in that same vein, I love that Ahsoka seems to be carrying on the that Star Wars prequels tradition of coming up with these really beautiful uh, parallels that are re- like somehow both incredibly on the nose and also so subtle it's almost like they're not there and that Sabine is doing exactly what Anakin did. Like Ahsoka is like sandwiched between two people who made the exact same decision, which right. is that like right. if like Anakin threw it all, he was willing to let the Empire rise just for the idea of keeping Padme around in the same way that Sabine is willing to let whatever the heck, like the Empire rise again, basically for the sake of keeping Ezra around. Like, they're they're the same people who it's it's interesting to see a padawan become a master and then her padawan her padawan makes the same mistakes that her master made uh it's an interesting parallel and i'm i'm i kind of hope that they play with that in like a fun and also intelligent way like commenting on it especially when the episode before that is all about ahsoka learning from Anakin like about letting go and about moving forward instead of living in the past uh, and maybe seeing if she can relay some of that information to her Padawan in a way that Anakin was never able to relay to his Padawan because he never learned it until he died. So right. I don't know. Oh, Interesting. Intriguing. Yeah, no, it's intriguing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see where this goes. I think it's a good show. I think it's been done well. I don't have really a lot of complaints so far. And uh, I really wish that all of my programming could be viewed in that same lane. It's, it, it, it is so interesting when you watch something that you don't have the, the 100% direct knowledge of. And yeah. how it makes you view it differently. Right. And it's reminded me the appreciation of being able to watch stuff without thinking about it too, too deeply. Yeah. Um, I will say they they get me a little bit on the like there'll be some scenes from like I don't even know if I think this writing is that good but because I love Rebels so much and like you know like that character appears or something like my nerd mm-hmm. brain a little bit still is like I don't know I still kind of like it <laughs> I wonder well, if it I does didn't feel see like, Rebels I mean, yeah I mean the fact that this is Filoni's chance to to take his characters that he's built this entire yeah. time and put them on the put them on the live screen like the star wars live action yeah it's uh it's pretty cool so i mean we'll see what happens with ahsoka there was, I, I gotta say there was one uh there was a listener who sent a message why don't you do more ahsoka coverage well here you go i gave you a little bit <laughs> give you a little something a little some extra a little ahsoka coverage um but as a reminder to folks loki is coming october 5th this is a thursday evening at nine o'clock which I, I appreciate that they're doing now. Oh, so great. I can't believe it took them this long to do it. I mean, geez. <laughs> I mean, they didn't think that dropping the things 3 a.m. in the East Coast was a good idea. Oh, but, terrible idea. But it, it'll be good to have an MCU thing back. Hunter, I want to thank you for joining us, or joining me in this case, and filling in for Jake. This is a fun episode. Tell me where you we can find you, where we can find what you do. What you up to, my brother? I appreciate you, sir. Yeah, of course. Uh, I am HRADC14 on everything. So that's H-R-A-D-E-S-I and then the number 14. Uh, that's 
Instagram, that's Threads, which is also kind of Instagram, uh, that's X, Twitter, question mark, whatever you want to call it. I'm there on that with that name. Um, I have been writing for the streamer for a little while now, so you can catch my writing over there. I'm about to cover New York Film Festival and New York Comic Con, so I'm going to have a lot of reviews and articles and footage going on through the streamer's uh, social media accounts and the website um, and YouTube and all that fun stuff. I'll be very busy over the next month. Um, and I'm also working on like a little personal project right now. I'm, I'm trying to make a documentary for the first time. So who knows if that'll turn out, but if it does, I will be tweeting and threading and Instagramming about it a lot. So, uh, yeah, follow me. I have a lot of things on the horizon, so you won't be bored. I can promise that. Wonderful stuff, my man. I appreciate you for joining me. And also I will add that whole, uh, Twitter thing. If you know, if they, it may get to the point where they may be asking you for some bucks to to hop on the old Twitter, and I will tell the audience this right now: I will be on the one thing smoking off of that app the moment a payment plan <laughs> comes my way. So, in the meantime, while Twitter still exists, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. On both Twitter and Instagram. And where are we? TikTok. And uh, we have a couple of TikToks there. And of course, you got the Patreon. You got all that stuff that we mentioned at the top. The YouTube channel. No video this week, but we'll get back to it next week when Jake is back. So, you know, keep subscribing. As I said, the closer we get to 200 subscribers. And uh, I will give another prize away as I did for the 100th subscriber paid for uh the gentleman's ticket to the marvels when it comes out so that should be fun we're not far away from that either so the mcu stuff is actually we're gonna get a a a pipeline of stuff seems like coming soon and also on top of that let's keep our fingers crossed with this strike hopefully it ends if it doesn't however i'll say it again Give the writers and the actors what they want and what they deserve in this case. There's Absolutely. a reason that they're doing this. Never forget that. Yeah. You know, we can we can survive without a little content in the meantime, so people can get properly compensated for what they are worth, which is quite frankly a lot, considering that they've brought all of this stuff to us throughout our lives. So always always remember that. So for Hunter Radisi, I'm Anthony Canton the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.